From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Martine Powers. It's Friday, February 26th. Recording in progress. All right. And you're recording on your end? Yes. Rena Flores is a senior producer for Post Reports. She's Filipino-American, and she's been having a lot of conversations about a kind of racism that's felt like it's become more visible during the pandemic, attacks against Asian-Americans. And she talked about it with one of our colleagues. I'm going to ask you first off to tell me who you are and what do you do at The Post? My name is Marianne Liu. I'm an operations editor at The Washington Post, and I also write for About Us, a newsletter about race and identity. Hi, is this Iona? <laughs> Hi, this is Marianne from The Washington Post. Um, Carl said that you'd be open. I guess it was really hard finding victims to speak up, but Iona Chang was one of them who was really thought it was important to speak out. I think there's a lot of empowerment um, for myself in, you know, going through this process and sharing my story. My name is Iona Ching. I am a cancer epidemiologist and a professor at UCSF. She lives in Oakland by Jack London Square, which is right by Chinatown. Especially living in the Bay, like, did she have a sense that there was a lot of anti-Asian American discrimination going on since the pandemic? Well, before the pandemic, not as much because Asians are not necessarily majority, but there's a lot of Asians there. But at the beginning of the pandemic, she thinks around March. With the language coming from Trump and the White House in regards to, you know, a China virus and those that type of rhetoric. So he had made that connection between Asians and the virus. I was aware that, you know, there was a lot of um, discriminatory language. Not too long after, while she was jogging in Oakland, in her neighborhood, a car drove by and a man shouted at her, calling her coronavirus. And it just stopped me in my track because I couldn't even process the time. Like, somebody could feel like they could behave like that towards somebody else was baffling. And it was hurtful. You know, I think it took me a while to process it. You know, at first I was like, what just happened? And then... I know when I got home that day and just thought about it, I was really upset. And she's Chinese-American, right? Yes, she's Chinese-American like me, first generation born in the U.S. And that wasn't the only incident that happened to Iona, right? Can you tell me about what happened later in the pandemic? So it was late December before Christmas. It was around 4.30 p.m. that day. I mean, it was broad daylight. She found out that she was followed and I had seen there were several, you know, youth approaching me. And when we crossed paths on the street, they essentially jumped me. Um, at the time, I had my wallet and my phone and my keys in my pocket. They just started, they pulled me to the ground and they started punching me. And um, it was just my reaction to fight back. I don't know if if that was right or wrong. Um, but I just resisted them, you know, as they were trying to grab the things out of my pocket. Um, I, I was yelling and screaming like help and stop. And, um, you know, they, you know, somebody yelled back to me like, shut up. Bitch. And, um, they managed to get the things out of my pocket. 
Um, after which they they ran, you know, they took off. She ran after them. And when she talked to the police, the officer literally told her, you are the first woman of the night. This has been a task happening to multiple Asian American women. Later on, she found out that the group that attacked her, they went on to attack a woman in her 60s, an Asian woman in her 60s, stomped on her knees, broke a kneecap, and then went on a shopping spree in a stolen car. She feels like Asians, especially Asian females. Given the fact that I think often for cultural reasons, they don't press charges. They, you know, they may have issues in, you know, in speaking English, specifically the Chinatown areas, which actually I live, my neighborhood is right outside of Chinatown. Um, in regards to, you know, often it's cash transactions in Chinatown, right? So there's considered an easy target to get cash. They, ha- they haven't been pressing charges. And so it repeatedly happens again and again and again. How did Iona process what had happened to her? Did she realize that she was the latest in a string of attacks? I think she was really lucky in that when she was chasing after the group that had attacked her, she was nearby a coffee shop and other people saw and other people were able to call 911. And then she was even luckier that the officer that came to help her was Asian female. For other victims, it's not as easy. There was a Filipino man I talked to. Noel Quintana lost count of the number of stitches it took for doctors at Bellevue to sew his face back together. His name was Noel, and he was just riding the subway on the way to work at 8 in the morning. After a stranger on the subway carved a deep cheek-to-cheek gash, Noel says he did nothing to provoke. And he's minding his own business. Suddenly, a man by him started kicking his tote bag and slashed him in the face with a box cutter. And he said nobody came to help him. A string of violent attacks against elderly Asian Americans has law enforcement on alert. So it just seemed like rampant. A U.N. report found there were more than 1,800 racist incidents against Asian Americans from March to May of last year. Incident after incident, like... In Oakland, two men knocking down a 70-year-old woman and robbing her. A 91-year-old man was pushed over in Oakland's Chinatown. Extremely, some people have taken to arming themselves, buying guns. I talked to a man in his, uh, he's 40, Jason G. He was called epithets. He was assaulted while wearing a mask. And even when he was on his way to buying a gun, he was stopped in the parking lot by a car and men jumped out and shouted, epithets at him and also called him coronavirus. So do we know how prevalent these incidents are, these things that seem like hate crimes? Do we have a real sense of how that has played out in the pandemic? So data is scant, but at least for New York, they reported at least 28 hate crimes that targeted Asian Americans compared to three the previous year. For San Francisco, another example, in 2020, there were nine, up from six a year before and four in 2018. But also know that culturally, it's incredibly underreported. So it's hard to tell. On top of that, 
there's a high threshold to proving what a hate crime is. They actually have to say something or you have to prove a history of something to to show that's a hate crime. And the onus is on the victim. So in the case of Noel Quintana, nothing was said. The assailant slashed him. And instead of it being counted a hate crime, the perpetrator got charged with assault. And you've sort of found out how underreported this is because there have been efforts to collect data outside of the usual official law enforcement avenues, right? Yes. So a professor at San Francisco State, he was trying to find out more. And he literally wrote to the California Attorney General asking for help. And they wrote back saying they didn't have the capacity. So he teamed up with two Asian groups and started a site, Stop the AAPI Hate, Stop Asian American Pacific Islander Hate, encouraging people to report the incidents. Their database received more than 2,808 self-reported incidents from across the country. Of those incidents, 9% were physical, 70% or so were verbal. About 40% were Chinese, the rate of women being attacked with two and a half times more. And then the state breakdown kind of falls along um, two coasts, 13% New York, 4% in Washington, 3% Illinois, and the most was in California. How do you feel hearing those numbers and seeing, seeing those reports? I think coming from California and growing up in the communities where a lot of the attacks happened and also being Chinese-American, it's completely heartbreaking. It's hard not to see like so many other members in the community that that these are our grandparents that are being hit. These are the most vulnerable. There was one incident in particular that happened recently that I think a lot of people— in Asian American communities really rallied around. You're talking about the Thai grandpa, 84-year-old Vicha Ratanaparti. He loved walking in the morning. He loved to exercise, like walking around. All the neighbors know him. Everyone say hi and then always asking about him. Amy is his daughter. He was there for us when when Titus was born. And Eric is his son-in-law. That was the best part about Grandpa for me is how much he loved his grandchildren. He's been coming to the U.S. to help them with their two kids, his grandkids, who adore him. From their descriptions, he just seems like a loving, gentle soul. One morning, it was around 6 in the morning, so very early, on his neighborhood walk, he was violently shoved down and later died from the injuries. And there is video of this, right? Yeah, there's been video that's been going all over the internet. What do you think of this targeting of yeah. Asians and just the Asian elders that is going on? So my heart's breaking, you know, and then um, my father was everything to our family. So I think is that his this case can be um, raised awareness for to protect elderly people, you know, and that is could 
happened to them and this was senseless acts of the violence this could happen to anyone in the u.s things are getting worse like it, it, originally it was it was like verbal attacks you know people saying oh covid this covid that and uh i think maybe because there wasn't enough response to the verbal attacks that maybe it made the Asian community seem like a target. And, and now it's, it's turned into violence. This is my community too, where I grew up, where my friends still are, where my brother's family is, my extended family, my parents. And in every conversation I've had with people, victims, academics, we actually share, you know, what generation we are, where our parents are from, and we sign off on these conversations to stay safe. So I told my own parents, they take daily walks. My parents are elderly. And I told them to stop taking these walks. How did they respond to that? My mom was like, don't worry, we're fine. And I was like, you just never know. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. I want to talk a little bit about how the Asian American communities that have experienced this kind of violence, how they've been responding to it. I know that you have talked to some people who definitely feel as if they're left on their own. Can you talk a little bit more about that? I mean, the community is basically at its boiling point. The community has been left feeling very isolated. They have had to report this on their own, create their own database, and many have taken to patrolling their own streets, like people are patrolling Chinatown on their own. We can't rely on the police, you know. We can't rely on even allies, you know, to like help. Like we have to come, you know, stand up for our own community. And I talked to an organizer named Will X Ham. He's an actor, but he's taken on up on the cause, organizing rallies and helping with patrols. In the Bay Area, I had helped start a neighborhood safety patrol in San Francisco's Chinatown. They hand out whistles, so if something does happen to a senior, they can you know alert people nearby, and also pamphlets. During the patrol, we've been uh, giving out these. Um, how to report hate crime pamphlets to uh, a lot of the community. What do they say? So the pamphlets are in different languages, like English and Chinese, and it's very basic. It's so basic, it's almost heartbreaking. Like one of the pages says, English is not my first language. Can you please call 911? You know, we kind of station near uh, ATMs, you know, where a lot of these crimes are happening. Uh, check in with business owners. But the, you know, most important thing is that, you know, we have to de-escalate and, you know, report, you know, and help report because a lot of, you know, our monolingual seniors 
they're not likely to uh, talk to authorities. Uh, you know, they're not going to report. But and but that's a, an important thing that needs to happen because without the statistics, without the data, there are not resources that are going to come into community to uh, prevent these kind of crimes. I think a lot of people in the community, like Will, see the Thai grandpa as their own grandpa and feel really isolated and invisible that these things are going on and maybe not as many things are happening, like the fact that they have to even report these cases on their own database. I've been leading marches and rallies to stand up against like anti-Asian racism and violence since August of 2020. And although... Like I know and hear of these accounts of uh, our elderly being attacked, seeing Mr. Richa Ratanapakti, like seeing this young man run full force and slam him into the ground, it was one of the most traumatizing things I've witnessed. You know, I had just seen my grandmother in Atlanta. She's 90 years old, you know, and... You know, to imagine, you know, someone running at her, like she's frail, she's using a walker, you know, I couldn't sleep. I, I, I experienced moments of rage, of sadness, like, and I cycled between those. I know there are things like President Biden coming out strongly, condemning attacks against Asian Americans. But what's being done to make sure that there aren't more attacks? Like, are there actual policy proposals? Well, there have been a lot of rallies going on, bringing together communities of all different backgrounds. As for policy change, Congresswoman Meng out of New York has introduced the No Hate Act bill, which has also been supported by California Congress people, Takano, Chu, as well as Nancy Pelosi. It has not been passed, but there's hope that it will, which could really change how hate crimes are being reported. You know, after doing all of this reporting, why do you think we've seen such a wave of anti-Asian American violence? Well, sadly, it's nothing new. I think there's been racism against Asians since we've immigrated over. I mean, I started with the Chinese Exclusion Act not allowing us to immigrate because this was during the gold rush and when Chinese were coming to help with the railroads and white workers were afraid Chinese workers were taking their jobs. So we started even then. There was also rules that Asians couldn't vote. They couldn't even testify for themselves. And that Chinese Exclusion Act wasn't even repealed until the 1940s. Also with President Trump calling coronavirus the Chinese virus and associating the community with this virus, people are seeing that association too. And that's why they're calling out like Iona, the coronavirus. Also, culturally, we don't speak out. So if something happens, we won't necessarily be against it, which is also frustrating. So you don't necessarily hear it. I think what's different is with social media, you're seeing videos of the Thai grandpa being pushed. And people are getting mad that it's happening. I think one thing that I like to add that I've heard from the victims is at the very first thing, we like to be recognized that this is that this is happening to our community. And most importantly, 
that we're American too. It's not Asian, it's Asian American. Rena Flores is a senior producer for Post Reports. Marianne Liu writes for the Post newsletter About Us. If you want to subscribe to that newsletter, we'll put a link on postreports.com and in our show notes. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Our executive producer is Maggie Penman. Our senior producer is Rena Flores. Our editors are Alexis Diao and Ted Muldoon, who also composed our theme music. Our producers are Lena Muhammad and Jordan Marie Smith. Ariel Plotnik and Renny Svernovsky are associate producers. The post-director of audio is Jess Stahl. I'm Martine Powers. We'll be back on Monday with more stories from The Washington Post. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen.